It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 Part go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Yeah. Welcome to the newest episode of the Giants huddle podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. John Schmelk here with you. Today is our preview of the Giants and Philadelphia Eagles at MetLife Stadium on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Michael Strahan gets his jersey retired into the rafters of MetLife Stadium. Today, we'll have Bob Papa with head coach Joe Judge. I'll talk to Giants tight end Evan Ingram and Paul Dettino and Lance Meadow talk to Dave Spadaro, who covers the Eagles for the team site. As a reminder, the Giants Little Podcast can be found at Giants.com slash podcast, your favorite podcast platforms, and on the Giants mobile app. If you have friends that are Giant fans, make sure you tell them about the podcast and to subscribe. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, of course, leave a five-star positive review. All right, we're going to start with our player interview. I had a chance to talk to Giants tight end Evan Ingram. Evan, thanks for being with us, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. How was your Thanksgiving? It was nice. Um, Spend it with my girlfriend. Made my first turkey. Ooh, um, how'd that go? It came out. I gave it like a eight and a half. That's like it pretty wasn't, good for it a wasn't, first Yeah, time. it wasn't perfect. Uh, I was I was trying to make it perfect, but definitely didn't come out perfect. Um, she had the size. We kind of did the turkey together, so it was a team effort, but it came out really nice. What you do? Did you like spatchcock it? Did you deep fry it? Did you do anything fancy? No, we just we just roasted it. Smart. Um, roasted it. She had like a Spanish recipe and um, all these different type of spices. So um, I seasoned it, and, and she kind of filled it up with all the all the sauce stuff, and we let it cook for a couple hours. So it was solid. Very good, man. Well, how was this week of practice? Obviously, it was a short week coming off the Monday night game, and then you have kind of the half day on Thursday. So how did you guys adjust uh, to, to having that strange week in prep of uh, preparation? Um, we just stayed the course. Um, I think our, our coaches do a great job of adjusting on the fly, um, and especially with holidays and, and things like that. So um, we, we were real sharp. Uh, we made sure we got our work in, got all the information um, in, and um, had, had good pro- uh, product on the field and practice. So um, feel good about the week and ready for Sunday. And Joe Judge hasn't announced it who's going to call plays, but this was your first week without Jason Garrett in the building kind of addressing mm-hmm. the offense. What was that like? Um, yes, it's just uh, just a, a sudden change. Um, you know, I, uh, I loved playing uh, for Jason. Um, I know everybody did. I'm on our offense and, um, and our team. He was a great football coach. And um, obviously it's unfortunate. Um, and and it's, it's, like I said, a sudden change. But um, we still have um, a good amount of games left um, that we got to go compete in and, and go try to win. So um, definitely just kind of moved on the fly. And and just kind of kept the work up. You mentioned how you and everyone else like playing for him. What was the general reaction when you guys kind of all heard about that on um, Tuesday? Yeah, it was it was it was it was different. Um, you know, you, it's it's never that's news like that never is, is normal, um, especially in the middle of a season. Um, and uh, and so it was uh, it was definitely a, a, a shocker. Um, and um, but that's just the the nature of this business. Um, and we got to keep moving forward. I know how players think. Do you guys, in some ways? Maybe responsibility is the wrong word, but you guys say, hey, look, guys, we got to play better. You know, this was our coach. We played for him. We were a team doing this together. And now because overall the team wasn't as productive as it needed to be, this guy lost his job. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, as a competitor and um, I know the, the the make of this team, the make of this locker room, a lot of guys felt like that, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we all know um, that, you know, we can always be better and we can execute better. Um, there's things in the game that, you know, we can we can improve at and, and, and do better at and have better product and uh, better results. So, um, yeah, I mean, as a competitor and as, as an accountable um, uh, athlete and accountable football player, you definitely take some blame. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough and we got to just be better. So what kind of, if any, 
real changes can, without giving away state secrets, obviously, can be expected when you guys literally have like four and a half days between games yeah. where you're trying to make some type of adjustment? Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's I think that's what our coaching staff has done a good job of this week is um, kind of working together um, and putting things together and um, and and kind of getting getting used to the different change and the different scenery and different coaching and stuff. So um, I think that was the biggest um, that was the biggest thing I, we felt as a team this week was just all the coaches really working together um, a little bit more now just because of the news about Jason. Now, two guys that I know are good at, they all have play-calling experience and head coaching experience, Freddie Kitchen and Derek Dooley. Mm-hmm. One was your tight end coach last year. One was your tight end coach this year. <laughs> yeah. So give me an insight into both of those guys and kind of what you think they could bring to the offense as, as Joe Judge said, this has been a kind of a collaborative effort all week. Yeah, um, I think um, they, I mean, they both have been in a position of, of calling plays and um, they know this offense uh, really well and um, they know um, us players. Uh, you know, Freddie is kind of overseeing the offense now, so um, he knows um, about the receivers and the tight ends, the offensive line, and, and, and Dooley is with the tight ends, so he knows our strengths and things that we can offer and things that we can bring to a game plan. So um, I think it's just a lot of knowledge, um, even throughout the whole entire coaching staff, not just them two. Um, kind of working collectively. Now, your tight end room has, has been a bit of a mess this year. You had Kyle, who was out the whole summer. You were out at the start of the year. And now Caden's been dealing with the knee the whole season. We don't know about Kyle this week. He injured his knee last week. How has it been trying to kind of sort through all that stuff as a unit and as a group, just being healthy and getting out there to execute the game plan the way you have to each week? Yeah, I mean, it's always – I mean, it's definitely unfortunate not to have guys ready and to deal with injuries and stuff like that. But um, just because, you know, we might be injured and not on the field – I think the best part of our, our room is that we really work together. Uh, we communicate. Uh, we help each other out. We talk about things. Um, we watch tape. We, we draw things up on the board. Um, so we, we stay ready mentally. Uh, we always prepare. Dooley is, um, Dooley is a detailed maniac um, <laughs> about all the details of small things. And we have all these sheets and all these tips and stuff. So um, it's a collective effort of just keeping everybody ready, no matter what, who's down, who's up. Um, we've been through so many ups and downs in that room this year, but that's probably the best thing that we've done to handle it is just kind of work together. You talk about details, and one thing I want to kind of dive into a little bit is kind of the art of the chip block. <laughs> it's something that you guys have been asked to do a lot this year, and I think people would say, oh, the tight end chips, it's fine. I was just watching on Thanksgiving. Tight end goes to chip. He clips the back of the offensive lineman's ankle or foot. The offensive tackle falls down. The guy goes in. What kind of details and practice and coordination is required to be an effective chip blocker where it actually achieves the goal you're trying to achieve. Yeah, um, I think the most important thing is communicating with the tackles, um, what they would prefer, what they like. There's There's been times where we chip a guy inside and the tackle's like, no, chip him out. And there's times where we chip a guy out and then we're like, no, like chip him in. So um, it's making sure I'm on the same page. Um, and it's in D, uh, D linemen kind of know or DNs start to know when it's coming. And so they mess around with alignments and stuff. So um, tape is important. I mean, like it's it's a small part of a play or a small part of a game, but um, it definitely takes a lot to, to go into of knowing which angle to take or what type of rusher this DN is. So um, I would say really studying the guy that you're, that you're chipping to give your quarterback some time and also communicating with your tackle. As you've been doing that more this year and in the run game too with your blocking, do you still feel like your running blocking and blocking overall has jumped up in another level this year with yeah. being asked to do it more? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always uh, hard on myself in the run game. That's that's always been something that I've been trying to stay sharp in and improve in. And um, there's, um, you know, I'm, 
I'm just honest with myself and I hold myself to a high standard. So um, there are times where I do really well and there's times where I, I feel like I can be better at in the run game. So um, my focus now is just being more consistent. I'm consistently good. I'm in the run game and doing my job and honing in on the small things. How about in the pass game? You know, we just talked about it. You've been asked to do a lot of blocking this year, chipping, things like that, and that limits what you can do in terms of the routes you run, the timing of the offense. It kind of messes everything up. What are some things that you think moving forward the rest of the year where they think they can take advantage of your skill set, you can make some more big plays down the field, which is what we've seen from you in years past? Yeah, um, you know, I, um, I think our coaches always do a good job of, of putting together game plans and, and things like that and putting us in positions. Um, I know my strengths are just are getting vertical, yep. um, getting on getting on safeties, getting on linebackers, uh, making defenses choose whether to carry me deep or, or to or to come down um, on the low low game. Um, on the low passing route. So I'm um, really just using my speed, getting vertical, um, choice routes, drags, just really putting defenses in the bind. So I know those are my strengths, and uh, and I know our coaches uh, will put together game plans to use all of our strengths and, and to get us the ball. Yeah, with your straight line speed, once you get somebody on, on your on your back hip, right, mm-hmm. or behind yeah, you on a goal. that's the goal, yeah. That's where you want to be, yeah, right? Yeah, so, um, and, and, and I mean, Defenses are smart. This this is my fourth. I mean, this is my fifth year in the league. So um, playing teams, they know they know how I'm coming. They know how I'm running. They know my speed. So um, they definitely I definitely can feel the respect and, and feel um, the attention to detail by defenses. But um, sometimes somebody might fall asleep or somebody might forget or or not be paying attention and, and I run right by them. So um, definitely that's that's the ideal is, is getting get my stride open and using my speed. Final question before we get to the opponent. How does having to chip and being a little bit more active in pass pro and in general trying to help out the offensive line, how does that impact your ability and the other tight end's ability to get more involved in the passing game? Um, I, I, we just take it as an opportunity to still get the ball. I mean, when we chip, we're still it's not a it's not a traditional route where we're coming out of a receiver stance and running ten yards, this and that. So um, we it's a it's a, when we're chipping, we're always a, a check down. So um, we always take an opportunity to work it as like a choice route or or a choice drag or to to use it as a route. So just because that we're we're chipping the DN and we're taking a little bit more time at the line of scrimmage, we still take it as an opportunity to to possibly get the ball and when the ball's in our hands, make somebody miss and, and get some yards. All right, let's talk about the Eagles. Good defense. They've played well the last couple of mm-hmm. weeks. When you watch them on tape, what do you see? Um, just, just speed. Um, they, they pursue to the ball really well. Um, they're physical up front, um, and their their secondary is making plays, um, and they're they're playing with confidence um, in their secondary as well. So, um, all three levels is going to be a challenge. Uh, they have athletic linebackers, more kind of um, more finesse, more lighter linebackers, but they run really fast. They trigger really fast, and um, and up front they're strong. Like I said, the secondary is playing with swagger. So, all three levels is going to be a challenge. All right, two details on that one when you play a team that plays a lot of zone and their whole goal is to not let guys get behind them they've Mm -hmm. allowed the third fewest 20 plus yard pass plays in the league they play a lot of zone a lot of deep how do you go about attacking something like that? Is the whole key just being patient, or is there are there other aspects? To yeah, it? Um, Coach Judge always says take the profit, um, and there'll uh, there'll be many opportunities to to go deep. And trust me, we want to take shots and we want to make big plays, um, but we definitely got to play smart. We definitely got to make the right decisions, and uh, we have to have options um, underneath all that deep coverage. So uh, I think we just play smart, be patient, take the profit, um, and then may, may hopefully they slip up or get a little bit too aggressive when we go over top. So. Um, yeah, they, they they do a really good job of, of limiting big plays, but we just got to stay the course, keep chipping, and then they'll start to come. Just to follow up on that, because we get a lot of questions.
happens when fans say, oh, we don't get it. Why aren't they taking more shots downfield? Why aren't they just throwing it deep? Yeah. And I try to explain <laughs> that it's oftentimes dictated by how the defense is playing you, yes. right? You can't just run those plays. If they're under three deep, you can't just run a streak and down the sideline. That's what the defense is designed yeah, to stop. It's not Madden. So, exactly. Can you just talk a little bit about how the types of routes you guys can attack a defense with is dictated by how they're lining up and playing against you on any given week? Um, yeah, I mean, like I, like I said, I mean, I'd love to take a shot every play and just give us opportunity to go up and make a play. Um, but that just that's just not ideal. So um, to kind of combat that, I guess, um, we have to run routes to still threaten them deep, to still make them respect the, the deep throw. And, but like I said, um, getting guys like KT the ball underneath and making guys miss. Run after um, catch stuff, Run right? after catch, mm-hmm. getting the ball in two sixes hands um, out of the backfield or a check down or even getting my hands um, after a chip flat. Um, getting it down, so I think um, I think those are big counters to that, um, and at the end, eventually they'll have to come up and, and, and make a play. You see, you see, you know, Kadarius. I mean, he every time he touches the ball, it's at least two guys. Oh, it's miss. game on, man. It's game on. So um, I think having having a guy like that and having more players um, like that that we have on our team that can be um, explosive with the ball in those short route and short area um, routes, um, I think that can open up. And, and force those guys to start playing a little bit looser, and then we can start taking shots. And then again, some of those deeper zones too, right? If the quarterback can hold the ball a little bit longer and you can do some of those deep overs and stuff, then you can try to find some of the holes even in the deeper zones, yeah, right? Yeah, um, definitely. And um, a lot of it is on protection. Um, a lot of it is giving DJ time. A lot of it is not having to be comfortable in the pocket to go through his reads and stuff. So um, that that's a big that's a big ac- aspect of it too because you can see you can turn on games on Sunday and um, teams that have um, quarterbacks kind of sit in the pocket going through his reads, bouncing back tea. there, sipping some tea. <laughs> like it doesn't matter how deep coverage you're playing, he's going to find somebody to throw to. So right. uh, it's a big pitch. I mean, it's it's all it's all collective effort, getting getting open, running the routes, and protecting and making the throws and making the play. Anyway, we got detoured. Final question on the Eagles' defense, and then we'll wrap it up. Their defensive front, they rotate eight guys in and out. Mm-hmm. They stole Fletcher Cox. Javon Hargrave is playing like an all-pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the distinctive characteristics of the way they rush the passer, whether it's scheme or talent, you can talk about both, that makes their pass rush dangerous? I, I, it's definitely both. Um, I, I think they have a great scheme, um, and, and they, they they have guys that um, do their job really well. Um, and if defense, is a line, defense aligns, you know, there's – there's players that take on blocks for the other guy to make the play. Mm. And there's guys, they do twists and all this stuff, and there's some guy actually servicing, maybe not getting a stat, not getting a sack, but it allows his teammate to do it. And then they also have talent. I mean, they got um, fast edge rushers. And then any, I mean, Fletcher Cox is, I mean, he's a beast. So he's in the middle plugging it up. So, um, yeah, that, I think it's both scheme and talent. They're playing to their strengths, but they're also playing with swagger and, um, and playing fast. So uh, we gotta be, we're going to have to be ready on Sunday. Evan, great stuff. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to you too. Thank you. That's Giants tight end Evan Ingram. Hey, Giant fans, join us for Michael Strahan's Jersey Retirement Ceremony this Sunday at halftime when the Giants take on the Eagles at MetLife Stadium at 1 p.m. Limited tickets are available. Visit Giants.com slash 92. You can also secure your season tickets for the 2022 season today for only 100 bucks. Limited seats available. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Now with a deeper look at the Eagles, we're joined by Dave Spadaro. He covers the Eagles for the team site. Lance Menno and Paul Latino speak to him. Giants will resume divisional play as they host the Eagles on Sunday. First meeting between these teams this season 
and New York's third divisional game after losing the first two to Washington and Dallas. And to get more into Philly, we're now joined by Dave Spadaro, Eagles insider for PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Dave, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dettino here. Greatly appreciate the time. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Uh, thanks, guys, for having me, first of all. Happy Thanksgiving to all. And, uh, boy, the season's kind of changed direction here for the Eagles, and it's been really fun to watch uh, a team um, evolve, I guess is the word, into, and I guess we're saying, a, a playoff chase. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to start with the turnaround, and I think what's synonymous with the turnaround, Dave, is all of a sudden a team that is willing and having success running the football with over 200 rushing yards in each of their last two games. No surprise, they won both of those contests. How much is, I would say, the continuity on the offensive line in conjunction with the run game really responsible in terms of helping this team turn things around? Well, look, as we know, uh, all the glamour boys get all the headlines, those who score the touchdowns and have the big games and make all the fancy plays. But what really makes it work in the NFL, really at every level of football, is the line of scrimmage. And the Eagles felt coming into the season that they would have a strong offensive line. And, you know, they opened the season in Atlanta, and they had a really balanced attack. They ran the ball very well. They ran the ball well the following week against the Niners, and that's when the injuries started. And they had four starting lineups in the first five games. So it, it was tough. I mean, it was a it was a tough bit of sledding for the Eagles with with players on the offensive line going in and out. They inserted their second round draft pick Landon Dickerson at the, into the left guard position. They inserted a second year player Jack Driscoll to the right guard position. Jordan Mailata, who had never played football until the Eagles drafted him in 2018, uh, gets some playing time last year. All of a sudden, he's the left tackle, and it has kind of been Lane Johnson was in and out of the lineup. You know, he had his, his personal problems for. A few games, he missed some time. All of a sudden, they come back a month ago, and they have just been crushing people. I mean, just mauling people. And I hate to use the word road grader because road grader kind of implies that they're not athletic. This is a big, powerful, strong, and extremely athletic offensive line that has absolutely fueled this Eagles offense and the resurgence of the season. Dave, it's one thing to say that a team is now suddenly going to be very run-heavy. It's another thing to say that they're run heavy primarily because of their quarterback. Now, given the fact that Hertz obviously has a skill set that tailors to this style of offense, is it simply because the line got squared away that they went to this style so late in the season? Because one could obviously ask, why didn't they start out going this way with Hertz from the very beginning? You know, again, Atlanta opening week, they did. They ran the ball a lot. Week two, San Francisco, they ran the ball a lot. Week three, Dallas, they fell behind. The defense couldn't get off the field. They fell behind. They went way the other way um, and struggled week three. Week four, the offense played well against the Kansas City Chiefs. So, I mean, it, it's not like they all of a sudden started running. A bit. I think that's a bit of a misnomer. They went away from it for sure as the offensive line deteriorated. Uh, they went a little bit – no, they went a lot of bit pass-heavy. And they just kind of readjusted back and, and got everybody healthy. And, uh, yes, it, 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 it's, it's in part because of Jalen's multidimensional skills, for sure, because it actually, I mean, look, it, it adds an element that is uh, very difficult, as we are seeing, for defenses to contend with. Um, at the same time, he's become a much-improved pocket passer. You know, they've made big plays down the field in the passing game with Goddard at tight end, Devontae Smith at wide receiver. So 
you know, there is some balance. Now, look, against the Saints on Sunday, they ran the ball 50 times. I mean, against the number one run defense in the league, they put up 242. So if they were three yards in a cloud of AstroTurf, or whatever they call it now, or whatever it is now. Rubber pebbles. Then it would be, well, yeah, pebble, right, right, right. Then it would be like, hey, geez, this might not be, this might not cut it in today's NFL. But they're, they're gashing, and they're, they're averaging six yards to carry, and they're picking up big plays, and they're mixing in the pass, and they're keeping defenses off balance. So, I mean, I think they can, they can win either way. I, I really thought it was interesting, because as they started to pick this thing up, you know, the Eagles went into Denver a couple of weeks ago, good run defense. I kind of thought that Denver would lay back and mush rush and, and try to keep Jalen in the pocket. And instead, they came after him with the blitz, and he handled it, and the Eagles went for a big game against the Broncos, and they followed up with a huge game against a really good Saints defense, as you guys know. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, not, it's not because Jalen runs, but it's certainly his skills add to the mix and, and provide something that is really unique, uh, I guess, outside of Baltimore in this league. Well, I'm glad you brought up the Ravens because actually that's where I wanted to go, Dave. I'm watching Philadelphia. I'm reminded a lot about Baltimore, and I in no way am saying that Jalen Hurts is Lamar Jackson or vice versa, but it seems as if when you look at Baltimore, you always have to account for Lamar could take off at any time, and that bodes very well for the other Ravens conventional running back. So how much is that now drawing attention towards Jalen? Teams are so concerned about him running that whether it be Miles Sanders or Jordan Howard or Boston Scott have a lot more leeway and flexibility to work with on the ground. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, there are, there are a lot of RPOs in this offense, and there's a lot of decisions that Jalen does create opportunities for the downhill runs of Miles and Jordan, who's like the definition, Jordan Howard, who won't play this week, the definition of a north-south power runner. Boston Scott, who always has big games against the Giants. Um, and then Kenny Gainwell, their rookie who played well early in the season. He'll be active this week should Jordan not play, Jordan Howard not play. So it does create a, a lot of different styles, a lot of different looks that keeps defenses off balance. And, you know, look, I've been here a long, long time. Uh, this is unprecedented in terms of just the – the way the Eagles are just overwhelming defenses in this last month with the run game. Now, look, we know down the, down the stretch here uh, defenses are going to adjust and there's going to become times when the Eagles are not going to have these running lanes and this success running the football. And, and then Jalen Hurts will have to prove that he can win from the pocket, and that's kind of the next step in his evolution. But for right now, they're going to ride the run as long as it'll take it, uh, as long as they keep winning and, and, and becoming more of a, a – I guess, a factor in the playoff, Chase. Well, Dave, not every team can run the ball all the time. You still have to throw it sometimes. And it's been for years now that the Eagles have missed on drafting wide receivers and free agents who they brought in and just never seemed to live up to their potential. But Devontae Smith right now is doing some dangerous things in the pass game. How significant is it for him to be able to be effective? I mean, yeah, he's filthy. I mean, he is, like, you look at him. I remember in the summer watching the Eagles had a joint practice with the Jets, and I was watching with NFL Network's Brian Baldinger, and we were looking at Devontae, and he goes, I, I just, I've never seen a player have absolutely no lower body, like nothing in his legs. Like he's got, he's like spindly, and yet he, he's, he's fast. He's really tough. He has innate skills in and out of his route. 
Um, he gets off the press really well. I mean, he's a complete receiver at six one. I guess 175, maybe 180. Uh, he's really, really stepped up to the plate as the wide receiver to go, and um, he has been everything the Eagles thought he would be when they traded up for him in round one. They, you're right, they have missed in the past, and they've been trying to get it right, and I think in number six they got it right. It'll be really interesting to watch him in this down the stretch here with five NFC East games in the last six and, and see how he matches up against some really good cornerbacks in this division. We're talking with Dave Spadaro, Eagles insider for PhiladelphiaEagles.com, as the Eagles will visit the Giants on Sunday. I want to flip to the defensive side of the ball, Dave, and you look at the sack numbers, 18 sacks for the Eagles. They didn't have any against the Saints this past week. I know they lost Brandon Graham, but when you think of Philadelphia's defense over the last few years, and maybe mainly when Jim Schwartz was the defensive coordinator, a lot of depth, keep guys fresh, they get after the quarterback. Has there been a dip in production based on those numbers in your mind, or are we reading too much into that based on what's played out this season? Yeah, I, I think there's been a bit of a dip. I mean, the, the defense has um, started to um, play better, but there were stretches this season when it's just, you know, quarterbacks. I think five quarterbacks have completed 80% or better of their passes against the Eagles. I mean, it was really soft coverage. It was very zone-driven. It was very safe and frankly didn't challenge and the Eagles talked about this challenging more challenging quarterbacks challenging receivers challenging the line of scrimmage more and only in the last few weeks have we seen them do that Um, really in Detroit uh, it happened of course it's not particularly difficult to challenge Detroit you know then the Chargers came in and Justin Herbert had a field day throwing the football a really successful day great quarterback great receivers the, the, the defense is predicated on don't give up the big play. And when you do that, sometimes you, you, you give up too much underneath. And the Eagles, I think, found that they were giving up too much underneath. So, um, you know, team quarterbacks were against a four-man pass rush. You're not going to get home a whole lot. So in the past few weeks, Jonathan Gannon has dialed up the blitz a bit more, mixed up his coverages a bit more. They've had a lot of success taking the football away. Three takeaways against the Saints, including a pick six. Darius Slay had that pick six the week before he had a scoop and score against the Broncos. So, you know, they've been, they, they want to be a takeaway machine. They've done a pretty good job of that 12 takeaways in the last nine games. And that has fueled the defense a bit here. Um, but they're also benefiting from an offense that's controlling the time of possession, uh, controlling the football and, and keeping the defense off the field. So yeah, losing Brandon Graham was a really significant loss. Uh, they have not been able to really replace that edge presence and that production. Dave, let me ask you about Slay. You you mentioned him with the pick six a couple of moments ago. Now, for three years, he was a teammate in Detroit with Kenny Galladay of the Giants. So I'm kind of curious about this matchup because the way I understand it, Slay has been shadowing the best receiver on the other team for much of this season. How do you expect that matchup to go? Yeah, I mean, if they decide to do that, look, I mean, I think think the Giants – I think that the danger point for the Eagles in this game is the Giants have excellent skill position players. Slayton always has big games against the Eagles. Uh, you know, they, they, in the past they've gotten production from Shepard. I don't know if he's playing this week for you guys. Um, and then of course Galladay has tremendous talent. So I could see Slay matching up with Galladay. I could see Slay matching up with Slayton. They, the Eagles' other cornerback is Stephen Nelson, who's a veteran who's been around the league and has been productive in his time. And then the slot receiver is Avante Maddox, whose contract was just. Ex- so they have three, one, two, and three. Um, and again, they don't want to give up anything over the top. So 
they want to make Daniel Jones and his offense work and be patient. And, and hopefully for the Eagles, uh, the Giants will make a mistake somewhere along the way. But, yeah, that would be a really great matchup. I, I guess Galladay, I mean, I know he's been hurt, and I don't know if he's completely healthy and productive and whatever, but if, when he's at his best, he's outstanding. So that would be a terrific matchup, he and Darius Slay. Dave, before we let you go, unrelated to X's and O's, clearly the big storyline entering this game is how last season ended, given the Giants thought maybe the Eagles would do them a favor and play competitively from start to finish. It didn't necessarily work out that way. I'm curious from Philadelphia's perspective, the reason I'm asking this is, as you know, it's a completely new coaching staff, and there was turnover on the roster. Is there any of that carryover from Philadelphia's perspective in terms of how animated and motivated this Giants team could be because of how last season ended? Yeah, I, no, I really don't think so uh, because, like you said, new coaching staff. Um, certain, look, there, there's already bad blood. This is a great rivalry. So, sure. I mean, I, I mean, the Giants are going through some things this week where they're trying to get their season straightened out. I'm not sure anybody's really thinking about last year. It was quite a reaction from the Giants, and it was certainly quite a, an unusual approach to the regular season finale for the Eagles. And I understand the way the Giants felt. Um, but to me, like, I just think it's a great rivalry. I think it just adds spice to uh, two teams that don't particularly like each other. So I, I don't really – it hasn't been mentioned down here. The players uh, are just kind of excited that they've put a little bit of success together, three of the last four, two straight wins. And at five and six, they've got something going here. So I don't really think they're thinking about last year. And I know that head coach Nick Sirianni has absolutely nothing to do with last year. And he's, he's mentioned many times, like, I'm not here last year. I don't know what happened in the past. My focus is on right now. So I think that's the approach this team's going to take. I think more so the, the talk in Philly is more like, hey, a win over the Giants. This team's a legit playoff contender. I think that's what they're trying to tamp down and try to just focus on beating the New York Giants. Well, and the easy way to do damage in terms of getting back in the postseason mix is obviously handling your business within divisional play as this rivalry will renew on Sunday. He is Dave Spadaro, Eagles insider for PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Dave, always a blast talking with you. Greatly appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you and speaking to you on Sunday. Thanks, Dave. Guys, thank you so much. Have a healthy and happy weekend and happy Thanksgiving to everybody. You as well. Thanks so much. That's Dave Spadaro. Just a reminder, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at a greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself, get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. Now we're joined by the head coach of the Giants, Joe Judge. Bob Papa had a chance to talk to him. Coach, first and foremost, a little bit of a change in your schedule this week with Thanksgiving on Thursday. To give the fans a feeling on sort of how you have to structure that week. Yeah, so I'd say, you know, in any season when it's a Thanksgiving Day practice, you want to make sure you always structure the afternoons be with families. And, you know, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, you've always got to go ahead and understand that you've got to create time for family time on that. So typically what we do on Thanksgiving, which what we did today or this week, was you bring the players in a little bit earlier. So we start at 7 a.m. as a team. You get in your meetings. You move quicker through the morning. You hit on the field practice, and you're really done about 12, 1230. You get the players off. You get them out. Give them the afternoon off with their families. Make sure they all have time. And, you know, we got a lot of younger guys on our team, so we always stress the importance of making sure no one's alone on Thanksgiving. This year, you know, being as though it was a Monday night game before, it's even a little bit different. So you get back really early Tuesday morning. Tuesday's a player's day off. You bring them in Wednesday Coming off that short week, we had the walkthrough day on Wednesday where we bring the guys in. We let them sleep a little bit and catch up, so we brought them at 9 o'clock. You end up working until about 5.30 that night with the guys. You go through some walkthroughs and extensive meetings, try to get the base of the material, 
you know, early in the week. And then you come in Thursday, you go through that Thanksgiving schedule I talked about. And then what you have to do is you have to make up the time you lose on the back end of Thursday on Friday morning. So you bring the guys in and you go through the film, you make the corrections, you basically simulate the afternoon the next morning. And then you jump in your Friday schedule, move on through and get on the field. So it ends up ending Friday's practice a little bit later than normal. But you got to go ahead and, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul. So you come off the game on Monday night, obviously a big disappointment in all aspects of things. Um, how do you try to build your team back up in getting ready to play this game against Philadelphia today? Yeah, it's not really much about building them back up. You show the tape, you make corrections, you move on to the next opponent. That's the most important thing as you move forward you know, as a team and you emphasize what's going to be important against Philadelphia and how you have to play and execute. And that's the biggest thing. You come out of it, you know, one thing about short weeks is you don't have a lot of time to dwell on what happened, good or bad, in the previous game. You move on to the next opponent, that's really where your focus goes. Coach, you take a look at you know their stuff and what they've done over the last four games as far as running the ball. I mean – they're feeding the rock 43 times a game in attempts. They're averaging over 200 yards a game. What do they do so well in their run game? Obviously, the quarterback is unique, but their scheme and what they do so well. Well, they're extremely talented. There's a lot of talent on this roster, and that kind of adds to the variety they can play to. When you look at the skill positions on the perimeter, it makes you really respect the pass game down the field. They have a lot of speed out there. They have a lot of talented receivers. They have a good tight end with Goddard in terms of his ability to make catch-and-run plays. And then it goes to running backs. You know, Sanders, Boston, you know, Howard as well, who's been injured for the most part. These guys are talented players. And you throw the quarterback in there on top of it, it gives them a lot of variety, and that ties into the run game in terms of they can run their direct runs and pull schemes and gap runs in traditional zones. But really what they've been doing mostly is a lot of the quarterback, you know, read schemes where you may have double pullers going one way with the back and the quarterback's going opposite. You have to, you know, pick how you fit it. And you've got to be balanced in how you attack it. And a lot of times – if you get out of whack, that leads to an open seam and explosive run. And that's what they've really been hitting a lot of teams with is when you get unsound on a play, you have poor eye control, you have poor discipline in your technique and your assignment, and that's when they go ahead and they have those explosive runs. So there's a combination of those misdirection runs with the quarterback runs, also the RPOs where sometimes they'll have the run pass read. And then the other thing is a large part of the run game comes with Hurts just pulling the ball down and running. And you've got to be very conscious in the pass game about the scrambles and the pull down the quarterback runs because he'll pull it down and run in a situation. In fact, a lot of times the more critical the situation, the more likely he is to pull it down and run. He runs like a running back in space, and I said that meaning he's a strong runner. He's really a one-cut runner, stick his foot in the ground and go through your know, arm tackles. He's not much of a dancer, although he has good elusiveness. But he's a very instinctive player, and he's a guy that's used his legs his entire life to extend plays and make plays, and he's continuing to do so right now. Go to the other side of the ball, and uh, them on the defensive side – you know, their front, obviously, when, you, when you're dealing with a guy like Fletcher Cox, that's a weapon. But they've got other guys up there that really kind of bring it all together, don't they? Yeah, that, you know what they really do. And, you know, we've all known about Fletcher for a long time. I think Hargrave's doing a really, really good job this year. And this guy's playing very, very disruptive. He's extremely quick, but he's very powerful. You know, they lost Brandon Graham. One thing we've told our players, this guy really rushes like Graham on the inside you know, in terms of how he plays with power and pad level and really gets his hips around you know, and can turn the edge on the guard right there. He does a really good job of playing that skill set. He's very disruptive inside. does a really good job of playing across guards' faces, really disrupting the pocket inside out, making the quarterbacks move. Barnett's doing a really good job off the edge, and you got to be conscious of him. This is a guy who he can win with his initial quickness or, you know, his counter moves if you really overplay one thing. He's done a good job and very productive, and they really mix their entire defensive front throughout the game and keep them fresh. And that's really something that you have to account for. And then 
off the pressure, they get disruptive, and it's created some huge plays on the perimeter. Slay obviously has scored three times in the last three games. This guy's making a lot of plays, playing very aggressive, playing very confident. One thing that shows up with him is when you have those long throws across the field. He does a good job of playing with good zone vision, which they play a lot of zone. And he jumps it aggressively. He jump on down and make the play. The other thing is he's very opportunistic in terms of flowing to the ball, and they do a good job of ripping balls off of the players, the uh, runners. And he's found himself, obviously, in a Denver game on the scoop and score situation. But he's a guy that when he gets the ball in his hand, it's kind of like a receiver or a punt returner, if you will, in terms of just having that speed, finding space, extending it, and running and finishing. Coach, best of luck this afternoon. I appreciate it. That's Giants head coach Joe Judge. As a reminder, you can take in all of the action of New York Giants football from your own private suite. Giants suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants suite rep now by calling 888-NYG-1925. We thank Joe Judge. We thank Evan Ingram, and we thank Dave Spadaro for joining us on this episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast. We thank Bob, Lance, and Paul for being with us as well. Hope everybody had a great holiday, great Thanksgiving. Of course, the Giants and Eagles coming your way Sunday at MetLife Stadium at 1 o'clock. If you're listening on the radio, you can find everyone involved in this podcast on the Giants pregame show on WFM, which starts at 1130. We're immediately following the game as well on the Giants postgame program. Make sure you go check that out. And again, folks, don't forget to subscribe to the Giants Little Podcast and Big Blue Kickoff Live, our daily call-in show. You can find it on the Giants app on podcast platforms everywhere and on Giants.com slash podcast. Everybody, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week on the Giants Huddle.